We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Well, there's certainly been no shortage of instant reactions around these parts uh, in recent days, recent weeks, recent months, and tonight is no exception. Welcome into the vault, simulcasting, streaming across all platforms. I'm Bobby Trossett, as always, joined by my co-host, Sarah Ellison. It's just after 9 o'clock here on Wednesday, May 3rd. We have Lamar Jackson's press conference, the long-awaited, much-anticipated press conference post contract extension coming tomorrow that's thursday at 12 30. a couple housekeeping notes of course we're going to be live streaming then as well and instant reaction will be readily available for you probably within the hour of when that press conference finishes up but tonight is about eric DaCosta's most recent new interview with pro football talks mike florio we figured there's so much content right now because the rocky sin signing because of the some of the contractual figures that we now know courtesy of peter king we don't know the entire picture sarah uh, where lamar is with this extension but we do have a couple new figures we'll have a morning vault on that coming up thursday morning tonight will specifically be about a little bit about rock, but mostly about Eric DaCosta's interview with Florio. We have a bunch of cuts ready to go. It's been an insane day, an insane offseason, an insane week. We're here now. Partner, let's do it. Oh, it's so true. I mean, just like, you know, the behind the scenes of it is, you know, we had already written up the the uh, morning vault for tomorrow. Like, it's scripted. And that is not – that's not – something you throw together that takes a lot of work for us to do we had already written it up and we already had to move it around for rocky sin coming in late at night you know i mean later in the day anyway work day and then all of a sudden i see this interview this 20 minute interview with eric DaCosta. i'm like do we rearrange the morning vaults and i'm like this is actually too much stuff to even fit into a morning vault and then tomorrow i have imagined most of the questions are going to be directed to lamar so i think lamar's gonna have a big voice tomorrow not to say that Eric and John won't speak also, but Lamar will have a big voice tomorrow. So I thought, you know what? Why don't we do tonight? Let's get into Eric's voice a little bit. Uh, and then and then tomorrow, obviously, we'll do a live stream after Lamar Jackson's press conference. I mean, there's just so much content that we were just like, let's let's just do this tonight. <laughs> 
And it's not always going to be like this too, right? There's yeah. going to, there's going to come a time where we're going to be searching and clawing, you know, for scratching and clawing for, for pieces of content, but that time is not right now whatsoever. Before we get into Eric Tacosta's interview, we wanted to shout out a couple of our uh, returning patrons this month who are supporting both us and the channel through Patreon. So shout out to Lisa and Bryant Mason, again, returning patrons. We appreciate you both for believing in what we're building here in Baltimore. And if you're interested in doing the same, you can check out what we're offering by visiting patreon.com forward slash Ravens vault podcast. For those of you who are tuning in on YouTube, you can see it on the bottom of the screen right now again we will have a morning vault out at 5 a.m eastern as normal so you're going to have a bunch of listening to do tomorrow if you're catching this tomorrow on the podcast in the morning so without further ado let's get into it i have a bunch of cuts of edc with mike florio and it began with mike asking eric about lamar's negotiation back in 2018 before he signed his rookie deal at the time coming out of Louisville. Of course, the Ravens moved up to go and get their guy at 32. And remember, I don't know if Mike maybe overlooked this, but Eric actually wasn't in the general manager chair. It was Ozzie Newsom. And that's the essentially the angle that EDC took. But he did go a few other angles as well. Listen to this. Well, I wasn't part of that actual uh, negotiation. That was Pat Moyarty and Ozzie was the GM uh, my understanding and from talking to Pat, who still works closely with me and Ozzy, was that Lamar was, you know, very well prepared, uh, understood kind of the way that things work. Um, he asked really, really good questions. Um, and it was a pretty seamless, you know, I think a seamless way of getting a deal done. So, you know, I will say this, like Lamar, you know, is a good agent from the standpoint of he asks the right questions. He knows what he wants in, in a lot of different ways. Uh, he's aware of different, you know, mechanisms and, you know, issues with the contract, language terms, types of structures and things like that. He's done his homework in, in, with all of that stuff. And he's a very, very smart guy, savvy. And uh, he did a great job overall. See the angle that he took that in? Yeah, yeah. Well, and I like the angle, Bobby, because... Um... It, it, you know, bothered me a little bit throughout this process. I feel like because the deal took so long, it obviously created this Lamar versus Ravens kind of battle in the media and among fans, uh, which I, I just don't like. Like negotiations are negotiations. That doesn't mean these two sides suddenly hate each other. Um, and so the people who took the Ravens side, I feel like a lot of people would say that Lamar is dumb. Right. And that he doesn't know what he's doing and that he should get an agent. And I never, ever once subscribed to that. I have always found Lamar um, to be smart. Exactly what Eric DaCosta said. He's smart. And it was nice to hear him say that, you know, Lamar did his homework. He knew he knew what different types of things there are. And I'm sure there was still an, an education process for him, as it would be for anybody who's going through this for the first time. And so I just don't understand how you can you can think that when you have a guy that's this MVP and has this NFL level of knowing where everybody's supposed to be on the field at all times in this fast paced game. I just don't see how you could see any quarterback not being smart. And um, and Lamar has always struck me as a person is smart in the way that Bobby, I feel like some of the smartest people I've come across is they can always cut to the meat of an issue without talking forever about it, which is 
me. I talk forever. And I feel like Ozzy Newsom is one of those guys. I feel like my husband's one of those guys. It's you can get rid of all the noise and you cut to the heart of the issue. And that's what Lamar can do. And you can see that in press conferences and things like that. He can get rid of all that and cut to it. So I was happy to hear Eric talk about how smart he was and the homework he did, because I know Lamar to be a very, very smart, smart man. As Modi is checking in with our first YouTube super chat donation of the night, he wants to know if this is actually live. Uh, well, we're live right now, but the Eric DaCosta interview with Mike has already been completed. Of course, I think it would look like it was taped either today or earlier this week. I'd imagine it was taped today because he put it up right away. And, you know, with, yeah. with this news cycle, you know, you'd think that it was earlier today, but let's keep moving. Eric was asked point blank. What broke the ice to get this thing across the finish line last week? You know, I think it was really a, just a, a patience thing. Um, you know, listening to each other, you know, um, I can't give you one specific thing. I would say that we've tried, you know, various structures and different things to get a deal done. Lamar's had his own feelings and ideas and a lot of other things. We thought it was important that Lamar have a chance to kind of see what his market might be if he wanted to, if he wanted to investigate that. We thought that was important for him. Uh, I think the communication piece, uh, I think that Lamar could see from afar that we were trying to build the best team we could, uh, trying to add some weapons on offense around him to be the best offense we could be. And that in the end, I think Lamar Hopefully, I think so. Uh, realized that we were the best place for him, that we love him, that our offer reflected that, and that we were the best place for him to thrive, and that uh, our city, our community, the organization, we really wanted him back greatly. Yeah, and some of this, our sentiments echoed in his various press conferences that we've heard within the last week or so. After each day of the draft uh, on Thursday, when this ultimately got done after night one of the draft. So, you know, some of this is, yeah, we have heard it before, but there's also a chunk of it that we're going to get to in, in the coming minutes here, Sarah, that that hadn't really been touched yet. Well, I think what was new in the clip that you just played um, is I don't think I've ever seen Eric kind of say that he thought, because he asked, you know, what what kind of did, and he listed many factors. Now, some of those factors we've heard, I don't think he ever mentioned before, and we'll get more, he'll get more clear in, in following clips, but that maybe Lamar saw the the offense they were building, right? And so there's been a lot of people who've said it wasn't all about the money, although it wasn't not about the money either, you know? And so yeah. obviously in Eric's mind, he thinks that that played a factor in the offense he was building around Lamar. And then the other thing, and again, he'll get deeper into this, but he felt like it was imperative to test the market. And I just think that this is, um, and that's what the the unrestricted tag was used for. And maybe I'll save my my remarks more for because he gets deeper into that. But I'll just say yeah. a lot of the times when we want people to do stuff that we want, right? The the tendency is to force them and to try to put all these barriers up around against them. Whereas the the Ravens and Eric DePa, Eric DeCosta's approach was instead of putting all these barriers, although there were some, including the tag, it was like, let's let them go and, and see the world, right? You'll see, you'll hear parents say this all the time. My kids appreciate me more once they went out and, and they experienced the world. And then kids are like, oh yeah, my parents were actually pretty good to me or whatever. And so it's like giving a little bit, a little bit of room to go and test things. And so, you know, he's kind of confirming that in that clip you know, by letting him do that, that was one of the things that helped push this over the finish line. Along those lines, let's get to, you know, the fact that this non-exclusive tag gave teams an opportunity to pursue Lamar and 
defined pursuit. I mean, there, there wasn't much of a pursuit. Perhaps there was some feeling around, perhaps there was some flirtation, but EDC was asked if he was surprised that ultimately concrete, I guess, concretely a team didn't end up pursuing Lamar. Was he surprised? Well, you know, one thing I've learned in my, you know, almost 28 years now is that every team operates differently. Like, listen, there were many players in this draft that we thought were great players who fell. And there were a lot of players that, you know, we weren't quite as high on as other teams. And that's just kind of the nature of the business. Um, So every team evaluates these guys differently. We know who we are with Lamar Jackson at quarterback. We know what our record is. We know we're going to be a tough team to beat uh, every season with Lamar out there on the field. We're going to be a playoff team with Lamar Jackson with some good players around him. And, uh, you know, I'm I'm glad, obviously. I was was I surprised? Probably a little bit. But in the end, every team has to look at who they are, how they're built, what's important to them. Um, I always feel like one of the advantages to uh free agency is when you have a guy in your team, you know exactly who he is, you know how he's wired, you know what's important to him. Other teams don't know that, you know, and so that's why in my mind, free agency is always a little bit dicey because here we are coveting other players on other teams and we don't know very much about them. Um, A lot of times we try to find out, but we don't, we know Lamar Jackson. We know how he's wired. We know what resonates with him. We know how competitive he is. Um, And so for us, it was a no brainer. They know how many games they've won with him too, 45 and 16, if I'm not mistaken. So anyway, what'd you think of that? It's a pretty good win, win record. Well, it's interesting. So he did finally say he was a little bit surprised. But then he went into what I feel like reminded me of our interview with Josina Anderson, Bobby, when um, I know I was surprised. You and I heading into it, we kept saying, use the exclusive franchise tag because two first-round picks, we've seen it all over the league. We saw it with Russell Wilson. Like People give that up for for quarterbacks all the time. And so I didn't really see the two first-rounders as this major obstacle. We've seen it with non-quarterbacks happen that teams are willing to give up that. And so I was surprised. So I'm glad to hear that Eric, who's who can predict basically the whole first round of the draft, it was at least yeah. a little bit surprised. And and so it reminded me what Josina said, because then he went into he's like teams value different things. And Josina basically when we would talk to her and she was talking to other front offices around the league. And she's like, Lamar is going to make the difference of you being a playoff team and not being a playoff team. Why don't you do this? And she said that what she got back from other front offices was like, well, it's more complicated than that, Josina. We have, we already have a structure in place. We have players in place. We would have to change the roster. And then, and then it's kind of like, he said, well, we know who Lamar is. And I asked Josina, I said, do you think that some front offices still have the picture of Lamar that they had of him coming out of that 2018 draft? where everybody's like, he can't make it as a quarterback. He should have tried out as a wide receiver. Some people saying he's a running back. And she said, yeah, yeah, I think it is that they're still thinking of him as the guy that came out. 2019 MVP doesn't matter. That's who they see. And so I think the Ravens in a way benefited from that. And it's too bad for Lamar. It's too bad for these other teams who can't recognize what he's capable of. But but per, but when I talked to Josina, that was like a light switch that was like, oh, well, this is why I'm surprised. I thought everybody else viewed Lamar now the way we do based off of how much he's winning and everything. But that obviously didn't didn't change. Did he say in there or is this a different place where he said it was a calculated gamble? Was that in that clip? Oh, we'll get to that. 
We'll, we'll definitely okay. get to All that. Right. Yeah, that's coming. Um, okay. yeah, a couple, couple other factors too that I remember citing either because we believed it or others, you know, perceived, you know, perceived to, to have believed it were, you know, the durability concerns, right? We heard about those. And then the fact that he was representing himself and just how complex of a, of a situation at the quarterback position that was to negotiate a contract. And, and you're going to hear again, and you already kind of heard it from, from Eric, you'll hear it towards the end of, of the interview. He, he doubles down on essentially saying that, you know, I don't want to spoil the, the clip itself, but like he's relieved this is over. <laughs> this has been a long, long process for him, you know, and he, yeah. he really, he, he does not mince his words whatsoever about how difficult it was and how touch and go with it, it was because you're trying to talk, have a really hard conversation for two plus years with the player instead of having the liaison as an agent and you're talking value and you're talking about what you can and cannot do. <laughs> I mean, all credit to him, all power to him for, for balancing that extreme hypersensitive conversation. I know I wouldn't want to be having those conversations with my former employer. And I'd imagine you probably feel the same. For sure. And I almost wonder if on the flip side, because everybody thinks of this from the front office side, and I think that's legit. And obviously Eric was, uh, you know, that was, that was a challenge for him. I also wonder if it's a challenge on Lamar's end. You know what I mean? Cause he's like, I don't want to like, I don't want to, um, you know, denigrate my wide receivers or I don't want to like act like my coach. I don't want to act like you guys haven't, you know, been a great organization, but that doesn't mean that I can't criticize you too, just like you can criticize me. And so it's like, are you guys really giving me enough help? Are you guys really giving me yeah. the appropriate money? Like it's, it's gotta be a two way street where it's like both, both know that there's on the other side of this, what they're working for is a marriage on the other side. And so it's not just Eric, but I imagine Lamar doesn't want to like spoiling relationships either. Cause as far as I can tell, he's quite enjoyed there, but that doesn't mean that the Ravens are without criticism. Got YouTube super chat donations coming in. So thank you. Asmodeus Thanatos. I believe I pronounced that right. If not just add it to the list. I totally botched big Salah's name earlier this week, still working on his pronunciation, but uh, uh, he writes. So now that I know y'all will read this, here's a few trophies, three trophies for you both. Cheers. There's been some real adversity we've all been through. Let's go win Super Bowl number three. Got to love some enthusiasm like that on a live stream. We appreciate you as Modius and uh, Tom coming in as well. Glad the drama is over, but 12 months were lost over two seasons. Lamar, by his own words, did not negotiate during the season, something an agent would have done, but looking forward to the 2023 season. Fair enough from Tom. <laughs> Actually, I will get, I think there's a, you have a clip that gets into that about the imposed deadline and, and Eric thought he, they almost had a deal, uh, but it was because of that self-imposed deadline, they had to cut it off. Yeah. I don't remember where that is specifically, but we'll keep All working right. in chronological order here and begin with Eric acknowledging the, the strategy involved behind ultimately choosing to go the non-exclusive route back in March rather than the exclusive. Well, I mean, I think the, the franchise is a powerful tool. I mean, anyone will say that. Agents will say that. Teams will say that. The union would say that. And so that's exactly right, Mike. I think, you know, the fact is we were having a tough time getting a deal with Lamar. Um, again, we respected his position and his feelings, but we were still having a tougher time. But in the end, we felt like our deal, that the deals that we had made, we felt they were credible deals. We felt they were strong deals. And we felt like we were in a position to, not, not that we could match every single deal, but we felt like we would be able to match most deals. And that 
if a team were willing to do a deal that we couldn't match, it would be very hard for that team to do that type of deal. Not impossible, but very difficult. We already had the $32 million as a placeholder on our salary cap. Other teams didn't. That's problematic for other teams. So in the end, it's a calculated gamble, I would say. You know, is a team going to go after Lamar Jackson? And if they do, maybe, just maybe, the deal is something we can match, which makes life easier for us. I think that's fascinating. And just a reminder, we're get, we got over 400 people. We're steadily climbing here. So if you haven't already done so, please consider liking the video if you're watching on YouTube and also subscribing to both of our channels. We both create daily content, whether it's on the vault or on my personal channel as well. So we'd really appreciate that. And if you do end up liking the video, it kind of shoots it out uh, to more Ravens fans that maybe haven't discovered us yet. Uh, that's a clear indication, Sarah. Ravens, EDC, Steve Bashotti understood what the market might present Lamar. They felt like they had done their due diligence. We had all kind of been bracing ourselves for a potential sleeper team like Washington in the middle of ownership transition. You know, they're going to do something crazy at the 11th hour and come out of the woods and, and go after Lamar with something he couldn't, you know, resist. And obviously something the Ravens couldn't match that never came to the fruition. But as EDC kind of alluded to there, they, they, they acknowledged that the possibility of that being the case when they decided to opt to go the non-exclusive route. Well, and that was the calculated risk. And it was calculations that for me initially, before they had actually put the tag, you know, I I hadn't done. And so you better believe Pat Moriarty and other other capologists and you know, supporting staff that they have in there, they've got the cap figured out several years in advance, right? Several years yeah. in advance. They know how much they'll basically be able to spend and positions and all that kind of stuff, injuries. I mean, they've, this is what they get paid the big bucks for doing. And so it was a calculated gamble because he was like, look, we already had 32 million on the cap. Nobody else had that. So we had a 32 million head start under the cap. And, and like we saw with the voyagers and everything else, he was like, we, it wasn't totally impossible that somebody could do something, but they were pretty sure they could match just about anything and not only were they sure of that, but they were also sure that once, uh, and I'm not saying that, in, that they leaked it. We all know he's going to get to the deal later. We all know that it got leaked by the NFLPA, this September offer back in September. Um, so we all know that they did that. But point is, is that they knew if somebody was going to make an offer, that at that point when they're talking with Lamar, they would have to know what was already offered. And so not only do they have a calculated risk of like what they could match, but he was also confident in the deal that they already had on the table. So it wasn't just, it wasn't just, Hey, make an offer to Lamar. It was like other teams are going to have to discover what was already offered. And turns out that September offer was very strong, so strong that it's very similar to the one that he just signed. There was some, some tweaks and all that, but it's very similar and so that's why they could go about it with the calculated risk. It was like, let's not, you know, cage him in. Let's give him a little breathing room to go test the market. And of course, it's a different market because you have the tag. It's not the same as being a complete free agent, but it gives you some breathing room to go out and at least see if you can get some offers. And if you wanted to wait till actual free agency, we're like two years down the road because the Ravens could have tagged them for sure. Again, a second time, not so much the third. That would have been cost prohibitive. And so they had all this going on. They know we have, we know we have a strong deal on the table. We know we have a $32 million head start and we know we'll match just about anything 
just about anything. And so there might've been one near impossible, but that was the risk that they took, but it was the calculated risk. How about this conversation? I thought this was a great question by Mike uh, posed to EDC related to Jalen Hurts and Deshaun Watson. Which contract, which extension had a bigger impact? Oh man, that's a good question. Um, I mean, I think they were both kind of hovering overhead in different ways. I mean, obviously the, the Watson deal was was really something that the media focused on quite a bit and was fascinated by and the impact that, that would have on the negotiation with Lamar. And then I think the the Hertz deal, you know, it hit before we got the Lamar deal done. I would say that, you know, the contract that we did with Lamar is not that dissimilar uh, from the contract that we offered Lamar in September. And I think that contract actually had the biggest impact um, of the whole thing because we felt at the time that that was a strong contract offer. We had a small window to get that done. Lamar had put a self-imposed end of negotiation date uh, before the season started. We felt like we were getting close to a deal at that point, but we ran out of time. And so um, we decided to kind of revisit that contract we augmented and added some money in different ways to that contract. And fortunately, we were able to get the deal done. Um, but when we compare the two deals, the deal from September and the deal that we offered Lamar, that Lamar accepted, you know, uh, the framework was there for, with that deal back in September and allowed us to get to this point. Oh, yeah. Yeah, there's there's no reading into what he just got to right there. That was pretty strategic that they liked what you just said. He echoed what you just said. You echoed what he said a minute ago. The, the, the offer that they presented Lamar in September was of market value, was exactly where they wanted it to be. And then they just tweaked a few things, right, in terms of average annual value, just like every other quarterback does in the, in the stack them kind of thing within the market. After Jalen Hurts got his contract extension, they upped the average annual value to, what, $52 million, I believe, to trump mm -hmm. Jalen's 51. They got it across the finish line. And before we get into more on that, EDC was asked about, well, what changed? You'd have to ask Lamar that question. You should try to get him on your show. I, I don't know. I wouldn't want to speak for Lamar. Um, that's a good question. I think just from our perspective, problem solving, we're going to just kind of keep trying to solve these problems, keep offering deals, trying to keep the relationship alive. And uh, we felt like it was our time last week to try to do it again. And fortunately, we got the deal done. Go ahead, sir. Okay, real quick. Yeah, real quick. So he had said, okay, so when he was asked about which deal had a bigger in impact, Jalen or Deshaun, first of all, he confirmed that both had an impact by basically being like, oh, that's a good question. It They both hovered over it is what he said. So they both had an impact. So that tells me that the last, you know, several months, Bobby, of us talking about Deshaun um, had merit to it. <laughs> And then also I was talking about Jalen kind of being an impetus, probably had some merit to it. However, a point that I did not know and that I liked that he made is he said the biggest impact he felt like was the offer they already made. So first of all, first of all, I want to say one thing about that. We've had many people saying that they were not going to believe that offer that Adam Schefter reported until either Lamar or EDC or the Ravens confirmed it. Eric DeCosta basically did. Okay. He, yeah. he basically yeah. did. He's not getting into the details or any of that. So that's the deal that you and I have been working off of for months. And I had trusted that 
all these different media outlets. It wasn't just Adam. It was becoming that several outlets got basically the same deal with a few different details differently. And we could build a whole contract out of that. And uh, so I had confidence in that. And I'm glad that 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 we were correct in using those. I learned, by the, by the way, through that process is you can mostly trust the news guys because that's where they get all their credibility. If they get it wrong, they lose their business. But if it's the opinion guys who are suddenly getting into news breaking, I don't trust them at all because they're for them, for them, all they're supposed to do is get ratings and get people riled up. And so that's why they talk the way that they talk. The news guys that break news, they have to be accurate. The opinion guys don't. So I was able to, I felt like we were able to weed out the opinion guys and what they were saying and stick to the news guys. So, but so that's number one. He acknowledged that September deal which confirms that talking about it was, was the right thing to do. Secondly, he said, but our deal had the biggest impact. And here's why he said, our deal from September wasn't very dissimilar to the one that we just had. And, and he's right based off of those, those um, numbers from September In September, he was offered a contract that was worth 250 million overall. That was the five-year extension. This one, it was 260. So all they had to do was put on 10 million over a five-year deal. No, no problem. The, the fully guaranteed that September one, the fully guaranteed money was 133 million. This one, according to Peter King was 135 million, not that dissimilar, but I do want to point out because this is a point for Lamar that 133, that was over six years. I just got that confirmed from Brian McFarland on Twitter today. That was over six years. The 135 on this one is over five years. Okay, so the average per year guaranteed is higher in this one. So Lamar did, did get a win there, holding holding out. And then the total guarantees, uh, which included rolling and all that, was $200 million. We don't have totals now, but we do know that he was given $185 million in, in, in injury guarantees. And so it wasn't very dissimilar. So the way I interpret what Eric DaCosta just said was, yeah, Deshaun Watson had an impact because that's what – Lamar was sort of going for, although he didn't say that in so many words, but we got that from Josina that it wasn't, he needed a hundred percent fully guaranteed, but he wanted fully guaranteed similar to, to, to Deshaun Watson. Okay. So Eric's kind of saying, yeah, that, that contract hovered over us. And then he's saying that Jalen Watts did, but, or Jalen hurt, sorry, but, but all it did and we, I remember I tweeted it the moment that deal came out, Jalen hurts. I said, the Ravens would do this in a heartbeat. All they have to do is put on a little bells and whistles and they'll, they'll beat the 52 million because Lamar's was already 50 million per year. So this is easy. You tack it on in the end of these, of these years. And so I'm, I'm wondering if, if Lamar was like, okay, fine. I was going for Deshaun and I don't blame Lamar at all for trying to do that. The timing was right for him to try to do that. But now we've got Russell Wilson, we've got Kyler Murray, and now here comes Jalen Hurts. And my deal in some ways is better than Jalen's. All we got to do is jack it up in a few areas and we're good. So I think by having this September deal already there, they could quickly move once you can see that Jalen's was right there with it or it was right with Jalen's. Yeah, it was. A, there was a week between the two. So, yeah, I mean, yeah. that all kind of matches up perfectly. So um, let's keep moving here because Odell Beckham Jr. becomes a part of the equation here in terms of what Florio wanted to go down uh, with Eric. Just so you know, we got over 540 live viewers in, in tonight's impromptu spontaneous live stream. Had no plans to do this, but 
you know how it goes in today's content world. Uh, things have, there's just been an, a content overload. So do us a favor. If you've been enjoying what we're building here, please like the video, subscribe to both YouTube channels so that more Ravens fans can discover what we're doing. Okay. So what kind of factor, what kind of a uh, role did OBJ play in getting Lamar across the finish line, Eric? Well, I don't think it hurt, you know, um, listen, we had been talking to OBJ for about six to seven months. We started talking to him last season, had some good conversations last year. He wasn't ready at that point to commit or play in 2022. We continued those discussions. Um, we felt like, you know, it was a good bet that he'd be a productive player for us this upcoming season. Um, we felt like he would be a very popular player on the team with the other teammates, including Lamar. Uh, we felt like there'd be a good energy there and a good synergy and that he would come in at one of our weaker positions and augment that room. Um, we felt like the combination of OBJ with, with uh, Rashad Bateman and Devin DuVernay and Nelson Aguilar and Mark Andrews and Isaiah Likely and all those guys would give us a better team. Um, obviously we, we thought that with Lamar Jackson, that would be the best possible solution. Um, I think Lamar was probably happy. I mean, I think his social media posts indicated that he was happy about the OBJ signing. Um, but for us, you know, it was more about building out the receiver room as best as possible, not necessarily as an olive branch to Lamar Jackson, but building the best team we could at the time. One thing I couldn't help but notice there, as as you and I have spoken about in in uh, recent weeks, you know, Devin Duvernay kind of being, I don't know, there's some buzz online about whether he or Patrick Queen could be in the picture as potential trade assets for 2023. And unless he's got some gamemanship going on here, and we we always know things can change, and he's willing to pick up the phone. He did just mention Devin. I know this is we got to talk about Odell, but he did just mention Devin as a as a part of their 2023 plans. So. I don't know if that means anything, but I, I just, I just caught that. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I, I think he is. I think he is again, if there's some other deal out there that they need, he needs to be packaged into or queen. I think that they're both a part of the team, but I'll hold my comments on what he just said until after the clip where he was asked if he overpaid for Odell. Cause I think they kind of go hand in hand. Straight up. Yeah. He's just straight up. Hey, what, what do you, what do you say to all the noise about the folks that said, Oh, fit. A 15 million guaranteed one year prove it deal with up to potentially 18 million in incentives. What do you say to that, Eric? I think a lot of factors go into whatever you decide to pay a player. I mean, we look at it from a lot of different lenses. Um, you know, one year deal, obviously, we paid a lot of money to him. We think we're going to get that benefit from him as a player. But we're looking at a lot of other things too, Mike. We're looking at potentially what he might get as a comp pick the following year on a one year deal has a good year for us. It's the market next year. What's that going to look like? We're looking at things like the benefit to the community, the benefit in ticket sales, jersey sales. How's he going to play? Uh, what's he going to do for our offense? What do our coaches think about him? Remember, Todd Munkin had a relationship with him, so we had some information about OBJ. Um, and then how's that going to affect, you know, Lamar as a passer? You know, how's he going to play? We want to maximize Lamar's ability I've probably done a poor job of doing that over the last couple of years in some ways by not having more receivers around him. Um, and we love the guys we have, but, you know, in terms of building the best possible offense, um, that's a factor too. So, you know, every situation has residual values associated. Every player that you bring in um, is different and they affect things differently. Leadership, ability, community, whatever that might be long-term. And we see OBJ as a big part of that whole thing. 
Boy, there's a bunch of different angles you could take there. The first thing I thought of was, uh, oh, man, I hope Rashad wasn't listening to that because he was offended <laughs> by Eric's comments in Indianapolis. And Eric essentially doubling down on comments that he said. I know he and Rashad have spoken <laughs> since then. At least that's what Harbaugh said. Pretty much the same thing that he said in Indianapolis, that he probably hasn't done a good enough job of putting enough playmakers around him. I he mean, that said- was just one of the many takeaways there. He said, poor job. He said, poor job. So, well, it, it, now in this one, Bobby, he did do better than in his last one. And this one, he immediately was like, that doesn't mean I don't believe in oh, our gosh. guys and name some of them. He did not in that original one. But it's such a fine balance to walk because here you are in the in this negotiation with your franchise quarterback. And, you know, your quarterback isn't going to publicly, you know, throw his, at least this quarterback who has, you know, in is a good team player. This quarterback, Lamar Jackson, is not going to throw his wide receivers under the bus in the public, but maybe these had they've had these conversations offline. And it's like, hey, I love James Prochet, but I like OBJ better, you know? And it's just like, and so the biggest criticism of the Ravens to date is that they just haven't been able to get, you know, a Pro Bowl wide receiver. And um, whether that's, the, you know, through the draft or just not paying them. And so I think that this probably was like a moment. And I, I appreciate it. And, I, and again, I understand where, where, you know, a Rashad Bateman or whatever can come from. But I appreciate that as a GM, he can say, he can admit to his weaknesses to this point. And he's clearly attacking it with everything he's got. He wants to change this this idea and he's doing it by overpaying OBJ. He's doing it by drafting three first round wide receivers. And since he's become a GM in the last five years. So, so uh, hopefully nobody takes too much offense. I mean, uh, and sorry, but Rashad and Duve and all those guys, they just don't have a foot to stand on. Like, you know, make it through a season or, you know, put up, put up a thousand yards and then you can start talking until then, you just you just have no room, really. But anyway, I thought it was so that was one angle of it, as you said. There's other angles, but he he really talked about basically he accepted the premise of the question. By the way, that he was overpaid, <laughs> he never said no, he wasn't overpaid. He kind of accepted the premise of the question, and but he talked about not only is he trying to right the wrongs that he's done as a GM at the wide receiver position, but he's trying to lure his quarterback back in, which in a previous answer, he said he thought that, you know, Lamar seeing him building the offense was was a factor, not the only factor, but was a factor. He talked about Todd Munkin, okay? Todd Munkin, A, knows how to use him, would know how to use him in the future, and B, he knows him. And so everything that you've heard about OBJ, Todd Munkin can be like, don't worry about it, you know? Here's why he'll fit, you know? And then he brought up jersey sales. And it was like, <laughs> between... Between Lamar and OBJ, hello, <laughs> like, and that's why we're, yeah. we're predicting all these primetime games. I mean, you have Lamar Jackson and OBJ, get ready. Adam Whittington uh, just just checked in through the YouTube uh, comment section and was kind of bringing up that exact same conversation, you know, how many primetime games y'all think we're going to have this year. And remember on the initial schedule, which we'll take this as an opportunity to remind you that we're going to be doing our first annual NFL dra- uh, NFL draft. Draft is in the rear view. I can't have another draft on my plate. I know about you, partner. I need a year to recover from that. But uh, no, our first annual NFL schedule release, which is next Thursday, a week from tomorrow, May 11th, we're going to be going from 730 
to 10 o'clock. So be on the lookout for that. And again, the Ravens schedule for 2023 will be released. You can figure out your plans. It's going to be sponsored by Be More Around Town, who's going to have so many road trips that are taken care of and that are offered for next fall. So go check out Brian Snyder's work uh, with Be More Around Town. But Adam, you you can max out on the initial schedule with five and then with flex games. I don't think it matters. I mean, you can get up to six, potentially even seven, Sarah. I'm, I, I'd have to check that. But uh, the initial schedule can only have five primetime games. And then along those lines of jersey sales, too, um, remember, we I actually did. I think I remember doing a, an episode on this because Michael Rubin, CEO of, of Fanatics, tweeted out that like within a week of OBJ signing with the Ravens, he like vaulted, pun intended, vaulted into like the top two of NFL jersey sales after being out of the league for a year, you know, coming off that torn ACL in the Super Bowl. So that shows you the star power. The NFL scheduling committee, I expect, is going to honor that. Lamar, Andrews, Dobbins, Flowers, all these new playmakers. And um, I expect us to have a, a lot of a lot of late nights forthcoming this fall, too, as a result. The offense is going to be fireworks. I, I know you you went through. Remind me, do you have the clip of how they talk about how the offense will be different? No, I don't. I don't have okay. that one, unfortunately. But what, what were you going to say on that? Well, anyway, just as you were naming everybody, it got me. It got me kind of hyped. <laughs> like I'm just like yeah. OBJ, Zay, JK, Lamar back and in healthy. And I mean, again, health is is everything in all of this. But it's like, um, anyway, Mike Florio had asked Eric DaCosta, like, is the offense? I, he goes, I think it's kind of running out under the radar of how different this offense will be. And Eric was like, kind of like, yeah, <laughs> you know? And he's like, we might get a bump just because people aren't going to be ready for different. And that's what kind of 2019 was, right? And so it's, it is going to be different. But he also said, don't forget, we're getting back basically the same offensive line minus Ben Powers. You're getting back all the same tight ends. You're getting back all the same running backs. You've got the same quarterbacks. But the, but the wide receiver room will be different, and you do have a different offensive coordinator. But, you know, with, with Todd Munkin, and t here's what I think is going to be so different about him. A, not only do I think they're going to pass more, <clears throat> or at the very least, <clears throat> they're going to be able to, Todd Munkin's going to be able to get more balance, but they're going to be able to attack, and I'm going to steal a line from Lewis Riddick that he said during the, the draft. They're going to be able to attack every single blade of gr grass on the field, which in years past, the Ravens have been so compact, right? It's always up the middle. Lamar throws up the middle. Every once in a while, you, you attack the edges. Well, you can attack the edges with the healthy JK. You can attack the edges with Zay Flowers. Heck, maybe even get Duvernay back out there. You can attack the edges with, with OBJ thrown out to the outside. Like, but you can still go inside because... OBJ, Zay, Mark Andrews, they're all go over the middle. They're not afraid of the middle. And so it's like, and then on top of it, you've got Lamar back and the, these defenses are going to have to figure out if he's keeping the ball or passing the ball with all these better weapons. And so this is going to be an exciting offense. And as Eric confirmed in this, it's going to be different. Uh, Bishop Turnquist with a 499 donation, essentially getting at what we're talking about right now. So we appreciate you, Bishop. And I think just to piggyback off that one, you know, one quick little thing that I'm excited about uh, in this Todd Munkin revolution is maybe getting the running backs involved in the passing game. I would love to see some screen game. I know I'm not the only one that would like to see some potential, some, some screen games implemented into the, uh, into the, the scheme. And then how about Lamar being willing to check down, you know, for some chunk yards, 
you no longer have to be Superman, you know, and I think that's the beauty of it. It's going to help his durability. It's probably going to help his um, overall energy throughout a game. And I think that just goes so far, you know, so whether it's Edwards, whether it's Dobbins, both guys are very capable of, of catching the football Justice Hill is as well. And um, I would love to see that, that evolve within this, this offense that again, it's going to attack you from all angles. So appreciate the donation there, Bishop. And one more clip from Eric DaCosta was essentially a big picture question related to who knows five years down the line, three years down the line, at some point, if they're going to think about a restructure, does he feel like having gone through this process two and a half years worth or roughly around that would it make it easier if there is a round two negotiating wise between Eric and Lamar? Here's his well, I mean, I think there was a song, Mike, you got to have faith. You know, um, <laughs> listen, I hope, but, you know, I think that the relationship with Lamar is strong. You know, it wasn't always easy, but, you know, Lamar knows how I feel about him personally. And I made a joke at one point that I much prefer Lamar Jackson, the player to Lamar Jackson, the agent uh, for sure. But, um, you know, listen, I, I, I can only hope that, um, We'll be at that point someday and do another contract with Lamar, another extension with Lamar. And that would uh, that'd be great because that means we've had a lot of success. And, um, you know, again, takes two to tango communication. Uh, it's not something that I uh, am looking forward to anytime soon. But when the time comes, if we're in that position to be having those discussions, I would say that's a real positive. He went back to the two to tango. Well, he went back to it. <laughs> Notice that too. Bobby, I am not ready for round two. I just want to enjoy this. I want to enjoy this season. I want to enjoy OTAs that are around the corner. I, yeah, listen, I don't think it would be any easier. I really don't. Lamar and, and the Ravens, they're, they all know what they want and they stay calm and they stay patient. And when you have two patient sides, it makes everybody in the middle panic and scramble. So, I'm not ready for that. Let's just enjoy this while we can. No kidding. Over 625 of you in tonight's impromptu spontaneous live stream after Eric DaCosta did his first interview. I mean, he went, he of course, went through these required media interviews throughout draft weekend after uh, Lamar Jackson's contract extension that was tomorrow will mark a week. Tomorrow will also mark the conference, the, the press conference for Lamar. First time he's spoken to reporters since December 2nd. And somebody asked earlier on, and I don't honestly don't even know the answer to this, but, but Neil Osenberg wrote, when is Lamar's interview with himself? And my theory on this, Sarah, I would love to get your thought is I, I don't think that he was it was going to be a damning interview. I don't think it was going to be like, you know, to him taking direct aim at the organization, but I got the sense that even though the teaser had nothing to do with, with any of the negotiation, I kind of had this hunch that like, is he going to try and clear the air here a little bit and maybe um, clean up some of the misinformation going on out there. And I wonder if he's put it on the shelf because of how much has changed because of Jalen's hurts extension, because of OBJ's acquisition, because of now the essentially the extension signed. I wonder if I'm onto something there or this was just complete, I'm completely off and it was about football because that's what the teaser was about. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with indeed. 
Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. What I think it was about, and is I think you're correct that it's off the shelf because I do think it was related to negotiations, but I agree with you. I don't think it was about blasting the Ravens. What I think it was about, it was around the time, correct me if I'm wrong, but it was a little bit after the time that he had re- publicly requested a trade, right? I think it yep. was a little bit after that. Okay. It was in March. And, okay. And, and he did that, as we all know, as a negotiation tactic. It wasn't to like be a jerk. It wasn't any of that. It was a negotiation tactic. It was owners meetings. He wanted teams to know that he was available and he was trying to drum up interest for an offer. Okay. And so again, I'm putting this back to what Josina Anderson told us when she talked to other front offices and she was like, why in the heck aren't you even trying, you know? And, and they said all these things. And I, you know, back to her and I'm like, Josina, are you saying that they basically still think of him as 2018 Lamar and and don't seem any different all these years later. And she said, yeah, essentially, yes. And so the one teaser that Lamar put out there, if you'll remember, is he was talking about how he ran a pro-style offense in Louisville. And so to me, I think that, I listen, this is complete speculation. This is just me trying to put pieces together and I could be wrong. But to me, it was like, perhaps he's getting the same feedback that we had heard from Josina when she talks out to these NFL teams. And maybe he's like, you know what? This is, I'm playing this offense because that's what Greg Roman and the Ravens have given me. And he maximized it, but that doesn't mean that he couldn't do these other offenses. And so if that was their, in their mind, these are front offices mind that, Oh, he can only run this offense and we're not running that type of offense and we don't want to change our team. Like, I think it was that type of stuff where I think he wanted to get out on the record to all these teams, what he could do. And perhaps the moment just passed. That's what I think it was. That was, I think that it was targeting other teams to try to give him an offer. I think that's totally fair. Yeah. We, we may never know because this exclusive interview may never, may, may never well, surface, but he's going to be at the podium tomorrow. Hopefully one of the questions are, is like, where's your exclusive interview? Although I think that question's lower on the totem pole. 
I think so. I think that yeah. there might be like 40 of them prior to this. I can't wait to see the way that PR, how will PR handle this in terms of duration? How long is, is, is Lamar going to be at the podium? You mentioned that in the email that you received from the team, John and Eric will be by his side. So yeah. what's going to be kind of hilarious is that those dudes have been talking to everybody the last like several days because of the draft. So they may not even be asked any questions here. It's going to be, <laughs> Lamar is going to be peppered with questions. And I guess the beauty of it is that unlike last year, you know, especially before the season began, when all these questions obviously were at the forefront before his deadline, you know, his self-imposed deadline began. Um, the, the, the overarching theme is happy and positive because he signed, he's the highest paid player, average annual value. So I don't know if there's going to be like a dark tone surrounding tomorrow's press conference, but there is a lot that needs to be cleared up. And, um, it's going to be fascinating to see the way in which the the local scene, I would imagine some national reporters are probably in the air right now coming to coming to Baltimore for this press conference. Everybody's going to want to crack at him tomorrow. Oh, for sure. Well, I definitely don't think there's going to be a dark tone. This is a celebratory thing. This is when this is not, this is not abnormal. Whenever the Ravens make a big signing, they did it with Joe Flacco, Ray Lewis. Ed, I mean, you come together with the head coach and the GM and the player. They did it with Odell Beckham Jr. That's that's what they do. Now, to your point, the whole reason why we're doing this tonight is, is I was like, tomorrow's going to be all about Lamar. Like, Eric and John might get a couple of questions, but it's going to be all Lamar. And so that's why I was like, let's do this tonight. We'll get Eric's voice tonight, and tomorrow we'll be dominated more by by Lamar's voice. Yep. And, yep. Um, and I really want to give Lamar his voice, even though I don't even know that he wants to have one. You know he's always trying to, like, not talk to the media, which I would be the same way. Um, and so I think there's going to be questions from kind of like what Mar Mike Florio had, but Lamar can actually answer it. Like what finally pushed this over the final line or the, the, the line for you? What, if any, did Jalen Hurts deal and Deshaun Watson's deal have? What involvement did the NFLPA have? Were you trying to get a fully guaranteed contract like Deshaun Watson? And oh, by the way, we haven't talked to you since before you were injured. So what was that injury process like? What was going on? Uh, how are you, like, people accused you of not supporting the team. What was going on there? Why did you stay home? He'll talk about how his foot is swelling, We all that. So all of those questions, we haven't talked to him since, I think, November, my, maybe early December. I can't remember when he hurt his, hurt his um, got hurt, got hurt his foot. So we'll see. There's, like, so many questions that have been, like, pent up over all these months. But having said that, I do agree it's going to be a celebratory tone. I would love to know. I know that the negotiation was primarily between he and Eric. I would love to know if there has been any communication whatsoever throughout the entire process with Steve. You know, we were we were yeah, lucky to have question. Kevin. You know, we were lucky to have Kevin Byrne join us on draft night, longtime executive for the Ravens, who came over with Art Modell in '96 and was one. It was basically a father figure for you when you came over from BYU to start interning with the Ravens years ago, and uh, you guys remained close. And it was awesome to catch up with him. I just spent one year with him not with him and I was with the Ravens radio stations, but I'd see him in the press box and stuff. And he was always really good to me out at the castle. Uh, but one question that I asked him based on something that he had suggested was that um, unlike, you know, some speculation that was out there regarding Steve's perceived 
anger and frustration with Lamar after he sort of, you know, it's a strong term to use, but whatever it's been thrown around ambushed Harbaugh when he sat down for the league annual meetings. Uh, no, Kevin said, no, no, he, Steve understood. It. He's a businessman. He understood what that meant strategy wise, what Lamar was trying to accomplish with that. And, um, and I was like, Kevin, just, just to confirm, you know, is that you just said you spoke to Steve recently. Is that, is that the feel that you have? And he absolutely adamantly uh, made sure that he, he made that abundantly clear and clarified that. So anyway, with, with that out there, again, I just wanted to reiterate it because I think a lot of folks were appreciative of, of Kevin's insight there as was I, and I know you were as well. Um, I would still like to know if he was, if he's been involved, you know, communication wise, interaction wise with Lamar throughout this, because he's so close to Eric given the, you know, the one-on-one negotiating. I mean, I would guess that he definitely has. And yet at the same time, Steve is, and I know this by working there, Steve, when he hires somebody to do a job, he lets them do it. And not all owners are like that. Um, And I think the Ravens are better for it. They're definitely better for it. He checks in on everybody and he talks daily to Eric Tocasi, talks daily to John Harbaugh, talks daily to Ozzie Newsome, you know, all his big executives. But but he lets them do their job. He's more of like a sounding board. Uh, and so I, I wouldn't, I would think he talked to Lamar for sure at some point during this process, but, but for the most part, he empowered Eric Tacasa to do his job. And, uh, and, and that's one of the reasons why he's such a good, a good guy to work for. Patrick O'Toole with perhaps the comment of the night. Uh, Lamar should hire Brian Billick to handle the press for him tomorrow. I'm just saying in a few guys. Oh man, Coach Billick! All I can go by is is the clips that I've seen, but that dude was was special, wasn't he? In the in the media, dude, I'm telling you. Okay, so when I was an intern in 2005, we had to we had to do all the transcripts, so we had to get all the we had to type word for word everything that said in all these press conferences, and we had to do it quick because we got to get out to the media. We're trying to help the media, and oh. These Brian Billick press conferences, Bobby, easily went for an hour each time. John Harbaugh on his Monday mornings goes like maybe 20 minutes. Like maybe if something big happened, it might go longer, but he's kind of 20 minutes. But like Brian Billick would not stop talking. <laughs> he would just keep going. And I'm telling you, we'd be there transcribing. We're like, oh my gosh, dude, can you please, can you please stop? Yeah, no, he can, he can talk for sure. Oh, yeah. Let's get to some Q&A here. We got a bunch of questions throughout tonight's show. It's been an awesome audience, still over 600 combined between uh, all platforms. So thank you so much. If you haven't already done so, again, please like the video so that other Ravens fans, other football fans can discover what we're building here in this digital space. And if you haven't already done so, consider subscribing to both YouTube channels for daily Ravens content, uh, audio only on the vault, which is also repurposed, obviously, on YouTube and then short form on camera content. Uh, on, on my channel. All right. To the Q and a, we go partner. Let's see. Mike Coleman checks in. What about Justin Houston? You think we bring him back? One thing that I remember Eric specifying, I think he may have talked about this during one of his most recent press conferences last year. He got this deal done on the beach, meaning it was in the summertime, like leading up to training camp. So if that ends up being the case and he's available come July, you know, late June, then there's, no reason why they couldn't pull the trigger. I mean, he may have fallen off last year, Sarah, but through the halfway point, you could have made a legitimate argument 
that he was the defensive most valuable player for this team because of how disruptive he was in the sack category. And he looked rejuvenated. So uh, I would love to have him back for sure. I think the Ravens will definitely sign a veteran, whether it's Justin Houston or like a JPP again. Um, I think it'd be nice to add that experience back into this up and coming young room with Odafe Owe. Tyus Bowser has a little bit more experience for sure. Uh, not as much as a Justin Houston or, or a JPP. Um, you got um, Ojabo coming in. Uh, you just, you just picked up um, Robinson I'm trying to still remember all the, the draft picks names, but Davious. uh yeah, Tavius Robinson in the fourth round. But here's what's interesting. So um, Eric DaCosta did say that he thinks that Justin Houston isn't going to make a decision until closer to training camp, which makes sense. I mean, these guys don't want to come in for OTAs and mandatory mini and all that kind of stuff. They want to do it closer to training camp. But one thing um, that I thought on May 1st was kind of interesting is Brian McFarlane kind of flowed out of the idea. He said, I just brought this tweet up. He said, I wonder if the Ravens would consider using the UFA tender on Justin Houston again this year because they did it last year. It was definitely cheaper last year, but a 10% bump on 3.5 million isn't a great expense for a well-liked veteran pass rusher who had 9.5 sacks last year. So, you know, that way, if they really want Justin, they can kind of, you know, put that tender on him again uh, and, and, and bring him in. So we'll see what, what happens there, but I definitely think a veteran pass rusher could still be signed. Our guy Chike checks in with a 499 YouTube Super Chat donation. We appreciate you. Thank you. A question for you both. You do great work and something that I want to do because you keep it real. Appreciate that. Uh, if we keep everyone fit, do you see us in an AFC game, meaning an AFC championship game? And does he mean healthy? Not sure. How do you how do you interpret this, Sarah? Yeah, yeah. I interpret it as if we keep everyone healthy. Do you see us? I, I don't know if he just means playoffs in general or the AFC championship game. Uh, if everybody's healthy, even if they keep, as long as Lamar's healthy and then they can keep, um, I, I won't say 100% health, but you can keep like what 80% of the starters healthy, maybe even less, maybe 70%. I definitely see with Lamar there, uh, the Ravens having the playoffs in their future. I think that we just did a, a morning vault on this. I do think that the goal is obviously more than being one and done. Um, but I was pretty fired up when people were like, so if he doesn't win the Super Bowl, then the then the contract yeah. isn't worth it. And I'm like, no, because everybody's everybody's taking their shots. Like you can't say that. But obviously the goal is to make the Super Bowl. And but yeah, I mean, in this scenario, if everyone's healthy, can they make it to the AFC championship game? Yeah, I mean a health I want to see a healthy Lamar Jackson and a healthy J.K. Dobbins and a healthy offensive line and a healthy Odell Beckham and a healthy Rashad Bateman and a healthy Roquan Smith and a healthy Marlon Humphrey. I mean, I want to see everybody healthy because that's what happened in 2012. I mean, the Ravens, at least by the time it came for their playoff run, you know, they were they were healthy. I mean, I mean, whatever. Ray Lewis had his 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 stories of like his shoulder wasn't right and all that kind of stuff, but they had their guys on the field. They had their guys on the field. And so that if these guys are healthy, sky's the limit.
Yeah. Yeah. Can you win the war of attrition? It's always the biggest question. A lot has to go right in order to chase a, a title, but they certainly have uh, put themselves back into the conversation of, of at least, you know, roster construction wise being among the AFC elites. Obviously all roads run through Kansas city. We all know that they deserve that respect. They've earned that respect as far as I'm concerned and, and roads will continue to, to go through KC. But uh but hey, can the Ravens be one of those challengers alongside the the Cincinnati's and the the Buffaloes and the Miamis and the Jets are apparently in that conversation now, you know? So it's it's going to be not apparently they just picked up one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. So we will uh, we'll see. Let's keep working through the. Who, by the way, he's wasting no time getting involved in the New York culture. The guy's been courtside at MSG for the last like four nights I feel like he's getting all kinds of FaceTime which is hilarious to go from like Wisconsin Green Bay Wisconsin to the Mecca I can't (laughs) wait to see how he handles the media attention there uh Aaron I'm sure he's gonna be fine but it should be good all right a couple more here before we close out we want to say too just because we're over an hour at this point we'll save Rocky Asin content, the new cornerback who's in Baltimore for tomorrow's morning vault. We'll save some of the new contractual figures, courtesy of Peter King's reporting for tomorrow's morning vault and a number of other small little things as well, just for timing purposes. But Chris B checks in with, are you guys going to do instant reactions after the games next year? You know, you want to LOL. It would be a whole lot cooler if you did. Yeah, we're definitely doing that next year for sure. Uh, We're actually just having a housekeeping meeting today. I think I'm going to be doing a pregame show that, that lives on, on my channel and I'll have my own guests and and that type of thing. And and Sundays are important in the Ellison Gardner household. So Sarah is going to commit to full game coverage, of course, live tweeting as she does so well, and then a post game live stream, which will be simulcasted across all of our platforms. We're looking forward to it. We're going to have guests rotating in and out all year long. We're, we're going to take the next step forward in content. Uh, I promise you that make no mistake about it. There's several months between now and the start of camp, and we have so much to do to get ready. Um, that's why, quite frankly, I just haven't had enough time uh, in the day to do Orioles-related content. I have all the plans to make time for that in the time being. I've heard your your frustrations out there. I'm going to get there eventually, uh, but we have so much to get to for this this fall, and I cannot wait. I feel like we have a great opportunity in front of us. And uh, so, yeah, appreciate the question, Chris. Adit is Trayvon Mullen. CB3. Of course, he's assuming that Marlon and now the newly acquired Rocky Sin is in front of him. What do you think, Sarah? I wouldn't put him that high. I think that I think that there's gonna be a massive battle. At this point, the Ravens have 10 cornerbacks on their roster. 10. And so it's probably safe. Obviously, Marlon's a starter. Safe to say that uh Rocky Sin is the starter across from him, or at the very least, the favorite. Um, but when you get a contract like that, it, it basically means you're a starter. You've got, you've got Brandon Stevens. Okay. Who can play. And then you've got Jalen armor Davis. You've got Pepe Williams. Yes. You've got Trey, um, Trayvon Mullen. And then you've got the new fifth round pick Caillou blue Kelly. I can't believe I'm remembering these names. Um, so it's going to be a battle and in no way am I ready to give anybody CB three at this moment. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you. I think that's a good place to stop too. Just, just as John's checking in, we've been going for an hour and five minutes. What's up, John? We appreciate you tuning in, man. And uh, again, morning vault 
coming up tomorrow in just a few short hours from now we got to uh got to get a recording done and by, by the time you're listening to this perhaps it's already in the morning and perhaps it's uh we already have the morning vault out but we have a lot in work in front of us tonight again that there there will be new contractual figures specifically related to Lamar's extension that Sarah's going to cover uh a uh, uh, very in and in detail NFLPA we're going to have and the I'm sorry, and the NFL Players Association uh, involvement, which this is clearly this is your topic. You're going to be fired up about it. And then uh, the Rocky Sin signing, what that means for the Ravens, what that means for Marcus Peters future or lack thereof in Baltimore, if you ask me. Um, but uh, plenty more coming up. So I'll give you the final word before we close, partner. Hey, great to hear from Eric DaCosta. Good to hear uh, I, so many things confirmed tonight that we had been covering. I'm so glad that there was nothing that he said that was like, whoa, Bobby, we got this totally wrong. Uh, good to hear all that. Glad to hear that, like, it just, it's, it's just good. It's just, they're done. It's moving on. I think EDC, in the words of Tory Smith, has been cooking, right? It, I mean, just from the day he got Odell, just momentum came. Odell, Lamar, Zay Flowers, the rest of the draft, and now Rocky Sin. It's uh, it's big, and I do just want to recognize a few comments that we've we've had tonight. Uh, the, the irony of this this uh, interview with Mike Florio, who has been adamant that Lamar Jackson was wrong for not getting an agent, and here he is talking to the GM who negotiated with them, calling him smart, and he got uh, the richest contract in NFL history in terms of annual per year, the second most ever in terms of fully guaranteed ever, the most in terms of injury ever. And so the irony was not lost on several of our listeners or on me that it was this man who's been screaming from the housetops that Lamar's made a huge mistake. And then he got the interview with the GM talking about this historic deal. Tough reach to say no to, right? And pro football talks got big time national reach. So I'd have to think that that was probably related to uh, PR's decision to put their general manager in front of him. But uh, hey, what are you going to do? One day we're going to be there. We promise you that we're going to we're coming. We're coming. And until then. We appreciate you guys so much. A uh, couple housekeeping notes. Again, we will have our May 11th live stream for the schedule release a week from tomorrow. That is uh, May 11th, Thursday night, 7.30. The show itself on NFL Network or wherever it's streaming will start at 8. So we'll have instant reaction to the schedule where the bye week falls, where I'll be booking my flight to go visit my younger brother who's studying abroad in Rome, which I'm pretty fired up about. And, uh, and, and so much more is coming up again. So uh, if, if you could... Please like the video tonight. Not nearly enough likes for how many people we've had in here, but that's okay. You can do it now. Like the video. Turn on the notification bell every single morning, 5 a.m. Eastern. You're going to have an episode on the vault. And then later that day, I'll have your personal on-camera short-form content, 15 to 20 minutes as well. So uh, we're fired up about what we're building. We're so grateful to have you on board. Subscribe to both YouTube channels. If you want the audio-only version for your walks or your gym sessions or your commutes, you can find that wherever you get your shows available, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Apple, you name it. Thank you so much for my co-host, Sarah Ellison. I'm Bobby Trossett signing off from this spontaneous impromptu live stream, breaking down all things Eric DaCosta and his first interview, uh, non-media required, non-team required interview uh, after Lamar Jackson's record-setting contract extension. So as always, we appreciate you guys for dropping inside the vault. We'll talk to you soon.